Where do you go? The address. 66 Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to 66 Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I'm recovering from COVID, so if I sound a little different, that's probably why. In GH News, Avery Pohl, a.k.a. Esme, and Emma Sams, a.k.a. Holly, are returning to the canvas in the future. And on Instagram, I saw that Jeannie Francis is back in town, so I'm really hoping she's coming back to screen soon. Now, in Port Charles News, Brando's gone, and I have to come to terms with that, but the Scorpio brothers are on it. As Robert dines with Felicia and Mac, they see Cody across the bar, and he's itching to get out of there. But when he calls Brit, she says, no, it's either the Metro Court or nothing, and asks, why is he rattled by law enforcement? To be honest, I'm tired of Cody. I've been tired of him. I think the only reason he's believed to be Mac's son is so the audience will keep an open mind for the character. But I don't care for it. Unless he saves Mac's life from something or helps him solve a major case, I just don't care about this. Like, it just does not open the door for any story beyond this point. One thing I can say I like about Cody's character is that we get more Felicia. (laughs) She walks up to the bar after Mac and Robert have to leave and Cody yells at her about the Scorpios. And Britt also gets snarky to Felicia for interrupting their date. This was very irritating for me. Uh, Felicia was being kind and cordial, and it was beyond rude to me that they were speaking to her that way. So why did Mac and Robert leave the Metro Court? Well, Mac gets the text about Diane. Robert rushes to GH to get info there, and Mac goes to the scene of the crime. My girl Diane, listen, since the moment Diane made an appearance, I have loved her. Her legal quips, her romance with Max, I just think she's great. To see her stabbed just killed me. Some of the first people there are Alexis and Gregory. They are at the garage to find Diane on the floor and Dex by her side. I would love the hook to be Dex, but it's too obvious. And if the writers play that kind of trick on me, I will be so done. (laughs) Now, when I saw Diane's assailant, I swore that I saw hair blowing in the wind under the hood, making me think the killer might be Esme. But the killing of Brando throws that off unless he was not the intended target. When Max shows up to the garage, he wants to know why Dex is there. And his questions are valid. How could Dex be there and not see or hear anything? Alexis and Gregory end up following the ambulance so that she can be with Diane. Meanwhile, Sunny is at Sasha's slash uh, Gladys's with Nina trying to console them. Sasha is telling them to go and Sunny, of course, offering his services as he's leaving. Nina follows him out and asks him about the guardianship. That's a great question. Will we see Gladys as Sasha's guardian? What about Nina? Honestly, like, what would you do in this situation if you were Sasha? Would you want it to be Nina or would you want it to be Gladys? Gladys and Sasha also were looking at pictures of Brando and Sasha mentioned she has no family left. And they shared a really cute moment when Gladys said, hey, you're stuck with me. You've been family since you married Brando. I thought that was great. Nina even offered some grief advice, which was, you know, okay, seeing as I don't like Nina. (laughs) 
And Gladys says if they are ready, they can start planning for the funeral. However, Sasha's credit card gets declined because she needed Brando to sign off on big purchases. This is when Alexis calls Sunny about Diane, and Sunny quickly gets out of there to go to the hospital. Now, Mac has Dex at the police station where Dante's questioning him. I was wondering if this is possibly a conflict of interest because Brando is also Dante's cousin. I guess that just wasn't flown around the room. I I don't know. So Dex claims that he was told to lock up the garage and that's how he found Diane. Dante is not letting up at all and he describes Dex's behavior as a pattern and leaves the room. Dex then calls Sonny instead of a lawyer and Sonny's able to get him out because Dex was not technically arrested. Now I was very curious what was going to happen when Sonny picked him up and when they got in the car you could feel the air thicken as Sunny says that they're making a stop. Now, my first thought in all those scenes was Dante is going to find out that Dex is working for Michael before Sunny does. But then Sunny takes Dex to a freezer, much like AJ, and Sunny asks, why are you working for me? Dex gives him all kinds of excuses. Sunny does not believe him at all anymore, so he brings in this carver character. Interesting that his name is Carver and he carries around knives. Sonny gets interrupted during this torture proceeding and leaves the freezer and it's Michael in the restaurant wondering where Dex is. These scenes were so tense for me. I I mean, at any moment, I thought Sonny would yell, because you hired Dex to take me down. (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. Also, side note, I thought Carver was going to be a doctor to, like, inject Dex with truth serum or something. I don't know. It just looked like an old, like, doctor's bag that he brought in the room. Anyway, so Michael asked Sonny if he picked up Dex to deal with him his own way, quote, quote. And uh, Sonny says, go home. Why do you care? If you want me in your life, then you're going to have to accept me for who I am. And I don't care if it offends your delicate sensibilities. I just, their fighting right now is so juvenile. I think I've said that before, but it is just so bad. (laughs) It's getting there. So Sonny asks Michael, well, why do you think Dex is innocent? Luckily, Jocelyn shows up to declare that Dex must be innocent because his shirt was very clean and white and it couldn't have been if he stabbed somebody. So now Sonny has to go fact check. (laughs) as he put it to Nina. Like, I cannot with him right now. (laughs) So Jocelyn, she, Trina, and Cameron were at the axe throwing place where Jocelyn gave her approval of Rory to Trina. Trina says that she's the happiest she's been in a while, and Jocelyn claimed that her and Cameron were past their rough patch, even though she's not going to tell him Dex that's shown up wherever she's been on multiple occasions. The kids have a friendly axe competition when Rory gets the call from Jordan. This prompts Jocelyn to go to GH and poor Cam, like she is just leaving him like no problem at all. He says, no, you're not going alone. And she goes, well, Sonny has me guarded. Who cares? Like (laughs) poor Cameron. I just feel like Joss is not treating him well. Joss ends up at the PCPD to talk to Dante about Dex and tells him that she heard jingling in the alleyway, much like Brando heard. Could this be Dex's dog tags? 
I mean, like I said, it's too obvious. It could be bracelets jingling. And I'm pretty sure Esme wore some bracelets. I don't know. My theory is that it is a team of Esme and Ryan. That's my prediction of all this. So while Jocelyn is with Dante, Trina and Cameron talk about Spencer and how their friendship is more important than the secret Cameron was keeping. Now Trina feels guilty as she remembers Jocelyn is asking her not to tell Cameron anything about Dex. Just why? So, so unnecessary. So as people are worried about Diane, Sam and Michael are at the hospital and Sam brings up Dex to Michael and that's how Michael figured out that he was being questioned and that Sonny picked him up. We did get some small talk when Spinelli arrived about Star Wars and his skills as a father and he admits to Sam that he has feelings for Maxie, obviously. But then he lets it slip that he's behind society setups, and if anyone finds out, he'll be sent to federal prison. Spinelli explained that without Ellie and Jason, he felt lost, and that's how he ended up making this algorithm. And Sam had to bring up, oh yeah, I'm so lucky to have found Dante. Like, stop. I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) And as Spinelli is explaining his scientific algorithm, instead of being supportive, Sam's like, oh, you're screwed. What are you going to do? Like, you're a PI. Can you help the poor boy? You know, whatever. And while we're waiting on more news about Diane, Robert is putting together that all of the victims have Sonny as a common denominator. On the other side of the halls, we had Finn and Terry talking about Liz going deeper in the past through hypnosis. Then they rushed to see if Diane was also poisoned when she was stabbed. Turns out she was. But the antivenom is on its way, so Finn is getting ready to prep the injection she needs to live. Now, would it be better if they pretended Diane was dead? Would that work in the story? If they're afraid that the killer will get more ruthless with each living victim, could we pretend that they're all dying just to flush him out, maybe? Also around GH, Nicholas gives Ava a written confession that would prove he killed Esme. Ava says, too little, too late, but she'll keep the confession with an added, read it out loud on camera. (laughs) I mean, she's smart. She knows how to get leverage. I just can't believe that Ava is going back and forth with if she loves Nicholas or not. I say, take the man's money, heck, take the castle, and be out of this relationship. And Nicholas, bro, the Fier Rocher chocolate, (laughs) like, we couldn't have wrapped that in something else to make it look more upscale. (laughs) Curtis is also at GH where Portia tells him about Diane. Jordan walks in and takes Portia aside to talk about Diane and Sonny gets to the hospital to ask about Diane and Curtis fills him in. Curtis then thanks Sonny for keeping Marshall's secret about being on antipsychotics. Whatever. Bye, Curtis. I'm so mad at Curtis right now. He is acting a fool over these women and it's going to get worse if Trina turns out to be his daughter. He was not nice to Sonny, and then he's going to be nice to Sonny the next day. He's not being consistent right now. His emotions are literally getting the best of him. This is when we had Jordan call Rory to stand outside Diane's room to guard it, and Portia goes back to talk with Curtis, but she's having flashbacks to Trina's paternity. She can't shake it, so she says, I've got something to do, and has to get out of there. What I did not expect was Portia busting up in Jordan's office. 
who who do you think you are? And uh, she says to Jordan, if you have an issue with me, you better tell me. And Jordan says, well, is Curtis Trina's father? And Portia flips out. Jordan gets very defensive. I mean, with good reason. She says, I'm not following Curtis around. It was a mistake. The papers went missing. Relax. Um, I also know that you went for genetic counseling. And you're not going to be able to keep this from Curtis. (laughs) So Portia is trying to justify it all by saying Curtis won't be the only one affected. Well, Portia, that's your fault. I'm sorry. You lied. You lied to Marcus because you thought he was going through a rough patch and having a daughter kept him straight, but you didn't even give him a chance to deal with reality. And you lied to Curtis when he straight up asked you when he first got to know Trina. So while Portia was flipping out on Jordan, Curtis catches Ava trying to walk around the halls and tells her about Diane. Trina comes to GH to check on Ava, Taggart is with her, and he has a word with Curtis about the attacks. Taggart says he's offered Trina to stay with Gia, at least she gets mentioned, and Trina goes into Ava's room to tell her all about Cameron keeping the secret of Spencer being on her side the whole time. Then she goes into Curtis treating her like she's 12. I mean, Ava gives her some pretty good advice. I just, I love their friendship. I always have. But after seeing Ava is okay, Trina wants to go check on Diane, so Taggart goes with her. Curtis then comes into Ava's room and asks her to fire Trina from the gallery. I was surprised at first, but as they started talking, it does, it it does make sense. If Esme is behind this, then Trina should have protection at all times. When Trina comes back to see Ava, however, Ava has to tell her that she's closed in the gallery until, you know, she's out of there and healed up or this killer is caught. But she made sure to get Trina into another internship, and this one was much more prestigious, so Trina forgives Ava. Curtis walks in as Ava is telling her about this, and Ava says, oh, thank Curtis, he helped set it up. So Trina gets very upset by this. She takes Curtis in the hall and says, I don't want this internship if you guys just got it for me. First of all, you have to take every opportunity you can, even if you don't like where it comes from. If it's a good opportunity for you, you need the experience. Let's not pretend like this is still not a good experience for you. But Trina is very upset. Um, I don't think it's because someone did it for her. I think it's more like she wasn't given the choice. Like, she doesn't understand how dangerous it is to have a serial killer running loose. I mean, Brando is dead. Like, she needs to let that sink in. She is a very young girl, and she is very vulnerable, but Jocelyn's the same way. She's always trying to ditch her bodyguards and everything else. I, I don't, you know, what are you going to do? So as Curtis is chasing after Trina to talk to her, Marshall and Epiphany enter the hospital, and Marshall's going to be doing music therapy. Curtis then tells him that him and Jordan are still married and then just walks away. <laughs> like, poor Marshall is left so confused. <laughs> And then later we see him playing a song in the hallway as Ava is being wheeled around. I mean, that was cool, I guess, you know. Um, So Trina and Curtis, they're still arguing. Uh, She's like, hey, I'm a sophomore in college and you are not my dad. And of course, that's when Portia walks in on this argument. (laughs) I mean, this whole paternity thing is going to blow up Portia's life. 
everyone's going to hate her. How is she going to rise from this? Like, how will her and Trina ever get back to the relationship they have now? Taking a break from the hospital, we'll fly down to Jacksonville. Carly is still in Florida. Drew shows up at her hotel room, uh, and they talk about Brando first um, and all the security measures for the other kids that Sonny's taking care of. Then Carly gets a message about her adoptive mother's grave, and when Carly goes to tell Drew about it, Drew remembers how important it was for Virginia to be near the beach. Does this man have Jason's memories or not? Like, this has never been explained clearly to me, and it drives me crazy. Like, it seems like he only has selective Jason memories when they need it. Otherwise, it's like he forgets everything else about poor Charles. I I don't understand. Drew then offers Carly use of Aurora Media sources to blow up the Jacksonville Beautification Guild or whatever they're called and uh, then shows her a video of Donna and Avery. Carly offers him to stay in her room like we all know it's going to happen (laughs) and if it doesn't happen as soon as Carly wins this battle for her adoptive mom it's gonna happen. This is a very light storyline for Carly. I don't hate it. I mean, it gives us something different for her. It's clear the writers are pushing together this crew pairing. It's just a matter of when. In other couple news, Maxie and Austin are at Maxie's about to make out, and Spinelli is also there, tucking in Georgie. Spinelli goes to check on Diane, but when he leaves, Cody is walking up to Maxie's door. Spinelli says, you shall not pass, and I was cracking up. But Cody goes into Maxie's anyway and calls her sis. And then when he hears the name Gatlin Holt, he knew the name Gatlin. So does he know Mason? Does he know Charity? I don't know. Uh, Maxie thinks Cody knows about the Who's My Father ordeal and gives him a rundown of what she knows. Maxie also states that Mac is the best man she knows and Cody will be so happy as to have him as a dad. Austin gets a text from an unsaved number and rushes out. Felicia and Mac show up as Austin leaves, and Felicia and Maxie make the men talk. (laughs) So Cody is getting so weird about the conversation, he wants to leave, and Maxie and Felicia just say, "Take take a paternity test, why not? I mean, again, seeing Mac and Felicia is great, but man, these writers have to do something to make me care about Cody, because I just don't. I just don't. I care about seeing Mac and Felicia. I always smile when they come on screen. But then Cody comes on screen and I'm like, and we lost Brando. (laughs) Whatever. So as Austin is roaming around, Nurse Amy stops him in the GH halls and Austin then sees Mason sitting on the bench behind Amy. Austin deflects Amy and tells Mason he quit the family business, whatever it is. Mason says, no, you can't quit. Uh, You're going to do what you're supposed to do, which I don't know if anyone in the audience knows what that means. Uh, But Mason comes into the exam room where Austin has a new patient. So I guess he was also working with Mason. I just don't get it. I don't get Austin or Mason or this whole thing. We also had movement on the Anna and Valentine front. They shared some romance by the fireplace. And then as soon as they're getting romantic, Anna brings up Charlotte and all the trauma that Valentine is going through. Like, okay, Anna. (laughs) But Valentine admits the selfish ways in which Charlotte was brought to this world. 
He also claims that he would kill his own father if it would save Charlotte. And of course, he admits he's loved Anna for a long time. So they finally consummate their relationship. And I've heard that Finola directs those intimacy scenes. So you go, girl. By Friday, Vanna are waking up together and Valentine has a text from Charlotte. So they go to the Metro Court for breakfast where Nina sees them. And Valentine thinks it's a good idea to use Nina to get to Charlotte or to get to Victor. I was not clear on that. Anna says, nope, not a good idea. I have to agree. I don't see Nina as a very smart, covert, operative kind of gal. I just don't. I see her as very clumsy and loud and obnoxious. (laughs) Uh, Other couples we have, BLQ goes to Chase's apartment. And as much as she wants to go to the bedroom with him, she doesn't. And she wants to channel all that energy into his performance. I don't understand this storyline anymore. I thought it was a way to get them together. Now they're together, so do we really need it? I think this is a great opportunity that we could write, I don't know, Lois back in. She can be Chase's new manager. Then she can fade into the background if she doesn't want to be on full time. Heck, if John Stamos isn't busy, write Blackie Parish back on the show. Last time we heard about him, Lucy mentioned he was going to play at the nurse's ball, but they just didn't, like, show it or whatever. So get BLQ out of this. Like, they they need to be doing something else. BLQ should be more with deception now that they're going to basically push Sasha out of there. I mean, you know, let's get it moving. And by the end of the week, we see Victor going to visit Spencer at Pentonville. Spencer's all disheveled, his clothes don't fit. Spencer tells him that the inmates know he's a privileged rich kid, so they purposely treat him badly. We then find out that nobody has visited Spencer yet. I thought that was pretty rude. I think the kids have had time that they could have made to go down and see him. That's just me. Um, I also think it's childish of Nicholas to not go see his child just because they've been fighting. I was very, very glad to see Victor yell at Nicholas saying, you need to step up as a father. I agree. Nicholas has been a complete mess. He was yelling at Finn saying that he was making Liz worse, all while lying about alibis and trying to convince Finn it was a good idea. Like, Nicholas, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, Alexis saw this whole thing go down and she took Nicholas aside basically to tell him to behave because Diane is in the hospital and Alexis cannot bear another sort of accident or anything. But Nicholas is just being so extra. At this point, Ava can't even stay with him. She has thought about it for at least a day. (laughs) And by the time Nina gets back to the hospital to convince Ava to stay with her, which is really Ava's old apartment, so I don't know why it was such a big deal, um, but Ava agrees to it. And Nicholas is, like, so surprised that Ava does not want to go home with him. (laughs) I I cannot with them. While Ava is getting discharged from the hospital, Liz is getting those papers together, and she runs into Gregory. And she decides to ask him about Reiko. And we don't get to see that conversation probably until today's episode, maybe. But I I don't want Reiko to be any part of this. I don't want her to be part of Liz's past. That is insane. That is 
completely disregarding other things that Liz has been through. Liz came to Port Charles when she was 17 years old, maybe even 16. So you're telling me that Liz, at 15 or 14 years old, met Reiko at some point. And let's just say, like, Finn is 10 years older than her. Reiko might be 10 years older than her as well. So, okay, Reiko could have been in her early 20s or mid-20s, possibly having a fling with uh, uh, Jeff Weber. But, like, is that the route we want to go down? I mean, the Weber boys have been known to have affairs, but are we really going to do this to try and connect Reiko to Liz? Like, that's just bizarre. It doesn't make sense, especially when we had her or somebody breaking into Franco's art studio, putting pictures and art things around Liz's house. This whole Reiko connection does not make sense. Uh, it just it just doesn't. I don't, I don't know. I almost wish I knew the end game before I see the story unfold because I want to know if it's worth it to keep paying attention. <laughs> before I sign off, Sunny sees Selena Wu at the Metro Court and Selena offers her condolences about Brando, offers her assurance during these trying times, all that. As they're talking about the attacks, she offers Sunny a seat at the poker game. Knowing full well she's hired Cody as like an automatic like winner for her side. So is Selena slowly gonna drain Sunny of like anything she can, like drain him of his resources, drain him of money, drain him of his businesses. Like that was very slick. That was the first thing I thought of when she said, hey, you want a seat at the table? I'm like, huh, you just hired somebody to clear out all of your guests at the table. What are you doing? (laughs) So as Selena gets into the elevator, Chase comes up to Sunny because he wants to find Nina to thank her for getting him the gig at the Savoy. Sunny then looks at Selena and remembers their conversation at the Savoy when Curtis was not nice to him. And Sunny realizes that Selena set up the gig for Chase. And I bet he's thinking, why is she doing this? Where is this going? We ended Friday with Spencer in the library just trying to do his thing. And uh, this guy comes in to mess with him and knocks him over the head with a book. Where that will go from here, who knows? If you have any ideas, tweet me at 66 underscore view. Find me on Instagram at 66 Harborview Road and TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road. From the Quartermain Foyer, I bid you a good week.